Thank you for listening to Pastoring on Purpose. Welcome to Pastoring on Purpose. I am Dr. Tim Manis. I am the pastoral care slash spirit care coordinator here at Ministerial Care, and we are welcoming you into our studios here in Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, to my right is my colleague, Dr. Jeff Sargent. Say hello to all of our listeners out there, Dr. Sargent. Thank you, Tim. It's good to be back in the studio and in this uh, wonderful facility here, Office of Ministerial Care which is providing wonderful service for for our ministers and their families. It's just a really beautiful place to visit. If you're in Cleveland, you should come by and take a look at the facility and get to know these people. They're wonderful people. And today I'm excited about our our podcast uh, as we talk about leadership. Uh, We've got an individual who has really been in a very unique leadership position. It's not the position, it's the situation and circumstances. Now, we all think that our situation is unique, and it is to some extent, but this is really unique. And so I I think our listeners are going to really enjoy hearing uh, Dr. Walker's perspective. Absolutely. I mean, how do you follow a legend? How long was Dr. Khan there as the president? 34, yes. 34 years, and uh, he was there when I was there. And, uh, you know, t- that's one thing, to, to follow after someone who has been there for so long and had the success that Dr. Khan has had and then have to do that um, before the pandemic actually was about to hit. Yes. And then you're going through that, not to mention everything else that's involved with that. Dr. Walker, first of all, let me just introduce our speaker today, our, our guest uh, at the Ministerial Care Office here today. We do have Dr. Mark Walker. Um, Dr. Walker is the president of Lee University and former lead pastor of Mount Perrin Church of God. And we are extremely excited to have you in the office today. We were actually sharing some of our McDonald's stories <laughs> before we started recording. All three of us worked at McDonald's at one point. Yeah, yeah. What does that say about us? <laughs> we could probably spend a whole episode just talking about the <laughs> analysis of that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Doctor Mass. Thank you, Doctor Sergeant. Uh, happy to be with you. Appreciate the opportunity to. Talk about leadership. Anytime I can talk about leadership, uh, I welcome the opportunity. Pastoring on Purpose is a production of the Center for Ministerial Care, a ministry of the Church of God. Ministerial Care provides counseling services for Church of God ministers and offers those resources to our leaders free of charge. If you're a pastor in the Church of God who would benefit from a fresh, healthy perspective on life, leading, or following the Lord's call, or know someone who is, please visit www.centerforministerialcare.com. Well, the topic today is leadership during challenging times. And I'll, I'll say this, because one of the first times I actually met you is when we did the pastoring um, in pandemic uh, on Zoom. And um, I'll, I'll never forget this, Dr. Walker, because we were we were doing our rehearsal. We were kind of getting to know the panel and everybody. And I think this was the first time you were on there. And, and you asked me, are, are, so you were the one moderating it. And I said, yes, I am. And, I, and I'll, I'm going to be quite honest with you right now. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I couldn't share it at the time. Um, yeah, but that was the very first time that I did that. We had a, such a great success with that. We had thousands and thousands and thousands of views and comments. And 
Um, I was just getting my feet wet back then that gave me the confidence really to do this podcast. And so um, that was the first time I met you and I was shaking uh, throughout that whole process. Yeah, anytime you step into something new, right? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of sink or swim. We did a great job, as I recall. It was great. Yeah. I thought it went really well, and uh, but I was really excited to be able to do that. And it's, it really is exciting to have you with us today. Uh, as many of our listeners are currently serving as leaders and have led churches and currently leading churches and, and perhaps even other organizations outside of the Church of God, I doubt that any of them, or many of them, I should say, perhaps, have stepped into a what is probably a more unique leadership situation than you, following, as I've already talked about, a, an iconic leader. And during the first year of your presidency, you had to deal with the pandemic. And the American culture is kind of in this uh, the middle of a sociopolitical tug of war that places academic institutions, especially Christian universities, in the middle of it. Well, you just named a lot of the challenges I've had to deal with. Um following a transformational leader such as Dr. Khan. You know, in many respects, it's not the first time I've done that. Mm-hmm. Those of you who may know my father, Dr. Paul Walker, very successful transformational leader, right. obviously in his own rights. And um, I followed him at Mount Perrin. Um, I pastored Mount Perrin North Church. He got one of the locations of Mount Perrin North, of, of the Mount Perrin Ministry, um, and did that for 25 years. And so it's not the first time I've had to do that. But, you know, with with uh, following Dr. Khan, one of the great things is that he and I had a very, very good relationship prior to me even coming to Lee. We've known each other for a, a good while, and so we had a good relationship coming in, a good understanding of what I was doing when I first came to Lee. Um, and then when uh, stepped into the presidency, and, of course, he, he's our chancellor, stayed on as chancellor, he has been a huge resource of, of help and uh, encouragement. And, you know, we, we really worked very, very hard in the transition. Uh, we had about six months of transition. Interestingly enough, it was right in the middle of COVID, so it was an interesting kind of transition as, as we were. He was transitioning to chancellor, I was transitioning to president. And we really worked very, very hard on establishing our roles and relationship. Um, and he very and has done this so well with me he 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 doesn't overstep in terms of um if he if he might feel like I'm maybe not making a right choice or going the right direction. he doesn't just stuff right in there he's told me he said i'm I'm only going to weigh in if you want me to weigh in yeah. to which I have said. Please weigh in, especially if I'm headed off a cliff. You know, I want you <laughs> to let me grab me. And yeah. yeah, so we've had a very good relationship in that regard. And again, the institutional knowledge that he has, obviously the leadership knowledge that he has, he knows far more about Lee and its history and the, the, the Cleveland. So many parts of this. Um, and so it's been it's been a wonderful relationship, and I'm very grateful he. Is, is with us, and of course, I think when you when you follow a, a transformational, iconic leader, someone of high success, the number one thing is you got to be comfortable in your own skin. You have to know who you are, and realize you can't do it the way the other leader did it. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you come in and just change everything the leader did. It doesn't mean you come in and just. No, you have to come in, in my opinion, you have to come in, you have to listen, you have to learn, you have to understand um, the culture in which you are to, you're coming into. Yeah. There's going to be the comparisons. You, know, there, you just have to understand that. 
You can't let that scare you or make or make you angry or whatever. It's just going to happen. And that's where you have to really be secure in who you are. Secure in your leadership, secure in your identity in Christ, secure in all those things. Now, that doesn't mean insecurity is not going to creep in. Nobody's totally secure. <laughs> all of us have insecurities. Sure. Um, and so you have to be able to really feel comfortable there. And you have to be able to accept and stand there when the other person is getting all the accolades or whatever. And, you know, you have to accept that and be happy for them. And uh, and so I, I, we've worked very hard, too, in really honoring uh, the leadership of Dr. Khan, as well as what I tried to do with my dad as well, that recognizing, you know, I'm drinking out of wells I didn't dig. I'm, I'm eating out of gardens I didn't plant. I'm living in places I didn't build. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, I'm, yeah. and, and, and respecting that and honoring that and realizing and embracing that and being grateful but if you take on the aspect of sense of jealousy or boy I'm going to outdo that or I'm I think I think you're setting yourself up really for just a, a lot of difficulty um, and you know the team that we have in terms of the um, cabinet team was a team that he had in place high successful high quality high performing team and boy one of the things that was very helpful to me which I'm very grateful for is that team really worked hard at providing me the loyalty and, 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 and really saying, hey, we're here to support you. And, of course, Dr. Khan's a part of that team as well. Boy, and I think it's something else, too. You talked about the pandemic, and you talked about coming into that. In some respects, it's really weird to sit here and say, you know, the pandemic probably helped. I mean, that sounds kind of weird. You would say a pandemic was helpful. But in terms of coming in with the whole pandemic, everything was so different there was not a whole lot to compare previous leadership to current leadership because everything was so, so different, different, right? Yeah. yeah. No one had navigated what every leader had to navigate, regardless of what field they're in with this whole pandemic. So it all, in some respects, it took the comparison uh, game, kind of put it way back on the back burner. That so. makes sense because there's not a playbook on it. Mm-mm. It's not like you can just draw from this playbook or some other leader's already done this. It's it's fresh, it's new, and you're trying to kind of figure this out along with everyone else, right? Right. And so then it also kind of set the pathway by which my leadership could emerge. Mm-hmm. In, ter- in other words, mm-hmm. you know, just the uniqueness. Well, that's Mark Walker, or yeah. the, you know, that's so that so in some respects, you know, that was helpful. But yeah, I think I think the key thing really in 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 following successful leadership is, boy, you really have to be secure in who you are. You really have to get an understanding of the landscape. And then, yeah, then there's, this is where it can get a little tense or challenging too, is when you do feel like there needs to be change. Mm-hmm. And you've got to change from perhaps what pre- where, pre- where previous leadership was going. And so far in, in those instances, um, you know, Dr. Khan's been very, very good with that. And, you know, sometimes you're, you're forced to have to make change. You know, that's where a leader, you know, a leader can initiate change or a leader has to respond to change. It's mm-hmm. just kind of two different things. Um, and we've had a situation, too, where we've had to do a lot of responding. You know, we've had turnover, mm-hmm. which is kind of natural in the leadership transition. Right, yeah. You know, my experience has been, and I think literature shows, that when you have a long-term, highly successful leader um, when that leader transitions out, you can just expect other transition, which we've seen happen, um, and at some pretty high key positions. So we've had, in some respects, changed change forced on us, 
obviously the pandemic forced a lot of change, but I mean, just going even, even beyond just uh, organizational type of, of decisions we've had to make mm-hmm. because we've had, we've had people to leave. And again, I think you can't be threatened by that. Right. You, as a leader, you need to recognize when you're stepping into a new place um, by a, after a high successful leader, you're just going to have to expect that, and you can't take that personal. You have to keep yeah. the organization in mind. You've got to keep the vision and the mission in mind um, and and deal with it in that regard. I think you do, it, any kind of an exit interview, if you will, you, you, you do want to sit down with that individual and say, okay, help me understand why you're leaving what. If there are some personal leadership things there or whatever, you can learn from that. But all in all, you can't take that personal. Mm-hmm. You, you have to recognize it's a reality. Okay, then what's best for this person as they leave and what's best for our organization as we look to have to replace or make changes? Know who you are. That seems to be a theme that we kind of go back to, isn't it, Jeff? That, you know, be comfortable in your skin. Know who you are as a leader. Try not to be someone that you're not. And um, I get from that also is having realistic expectations. We see this quite often. There's been a, a, a pastor, let's say, the, at a church for a long time. And we hear all these kind of horror stories of how the transition was difficult and tough and um, it's it's really refreshing to me, Doctor uh, Walker, to hear you say how smooth that was, and how you was able to lean upon the board and other people and Doctor Khan to help you through that transition. But is, is there a certain is is it just particular to the church that you're at or the leadership that you're at where you say I'm going to wait a certain amount of time before I implement change? Is there is there a is there a, a, a book on that, well, uh, per se. Well, there are. There are several books on, on organizational change. Um, John Cotter is one of the premier. Yeah, Cotter. Pre- yeah, yeah, Cotter. It's K-O-T-T-E-R, I believe his last name is. Just He's that. done a lot of, on change. Sam Chand has written a lot on change. Dr. Sam Chand, if you know who mm-hmm. he is, a lot on change. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there about change. The one thing about change is no matter what it is, it's not always easy. Anytime there's change, you know, there's going to be resistance. You have to deal with it. But to answer your direct question, um, yeah, I think depend on what the circumstances are because you could have a situation where you're stepping into a sinking ship Mm -hmm. and you don't have time to kind of walk around and make friends with everybody because you got this gaping hole in your hull and the ship is going down. You got to go find the materials yep. to to you know get that hole filled in so your ship stays afloat. So, yep. depending on that, yeah, if you're in that kind of a crisis, a leader has to step in and make quick decisions and 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 do things quickly to just you know to, to just keep the thing afloat. So then you can begin to start looking at other ways the thing needs to rise up and, and change. So yes, if you're walking into that kind of a situation. Boy, a leader's got to really be ready to start making some quick actions to keep things going. If you're walking into a situation where things are pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, and it's 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 decent, I think a leader there has to take time. Depending again, now you could have somebody rising up from the organization that has totally understands the culture, has all the relationships. And maybe that person, if there are some quick changes needed, can begin that because they've got the credibility. Yeah. But if you're stepping in to an organization you didn't necessarily rise up in, I think you really have to take the time to build relationships and understand the culture. Mm. Um, I think you got to be patient. you got to listen. You, you have to have conversations with all key people and just kind of see where everybody is and hear what everybody's thinking and saying 
And so that you kind of can get a sense of, okay, here's where we are. Where do we need to go? Yeah. Because, yeah, I think, I think in those instances where everything's pretty much going decently, yeah, there, there can be room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. Sure. I mean, the sure. best organizations have room for improvement. Absolutely. Um, but I think it's in those settings where um, a leader can come in and if he or she just wants to really just do stuff. Yeah. That and without really building the the um, what am I looking for the account, building into the account that I've earned this credibility to make this kind of change, mm-hmm. I think that's where you run into a lot of issues. Yeah, um, because even after you've done all that, even if you've built the relationships and you've seen kind of where everything is and you have a sense of where it needs to go next, and you start laying that out, you're still going to get resistance. Yeah, you just are because there's going to be something that you know what. That was a great thing 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But right now, we really need to cut that loose. But for those maybe 15 people that might be still connected to it, that's the best thing going in the church, yeah. right? Right. And so, right? You know, So you understand what I'm saying? So I think it's in those places where quick change isn't necessarily needing or survival change is necessarily needed, and leaders come in and start just doing stuff because they feel like, for whatever reason, I mean, you know, they, they need to make a name for themselves, or they just need to get their stamp. Everybody yeah. needs to see their stamp, who they are. You know what? I think that's where you run into real issues. Yeah, um, I feel like sometimes when we feel like we have to put our stamp on something, or we a lot of anxiety in our job or in our role, it, we feel like we have to be doing something at all times. And if we're not careful, we'll be doing things that we don't protect, perhaps even need or need to be doing. What I keep hearing is this theme of, as you said, knowing yourself. And so I'm sitting here listening and thinking, if I'm out there listening to this podcast and you're saying know yourself, what does it mean as a leader to know yourself? And knowing yourself, goodness gracious, how many episodes could we spend on talking about that, right? A lot. <laughs> you know, understanding your strengths, understanding your weaknesses, what are your insecurities? You know, it's interesting to me in knowing your blind spots. Well, how can you know your blind spot if it's blind? Yeah. Right? So right. that's where you got to have the right people around you that you trust that are going to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want. You know, recently, yeah. just had some feedback that surprised me. From, from some folks. There's some feedback that surprised me about my leadership. And I'm going, whoa, is that the way I come across? Is that? And so, yeah, I went to a couple of folks that know me well and are part of our organization. And I said, okay, I need you to tell me. I don't want you to tell me what you think I want to hear. I want you to tell me what I need to hear. Do I come across this way? Is this how people see me? Because I'm telling you, this is a, if it is, it's a blind spot to me. I need to know. And so they were very honest and open about that. So that's the point I'm making. You know, you, you, you have to understand all that about yourself. The whole idea of, uh, um, you know, self-awareness, I think that's so important. I'm not talking about self-aggrandizement. I'm not talking about self-centeredness. I'm not talking about where you've got to be the attention. But you need to have a good sense of how people view you. Yeah. When you're in a group of people, how are they seeing you? What dynamic do you bring? How do you contribute to the dynamic mm-hmm. of a group? Uh, you know, Patrick Lencioni 
if you're familiar with that name, and uh, he's written a lot of leadership books. Maybe you've got the ideal team player. Boy, I would recommend that to any leader. It's a tremendous book. You know, his books are simple and that he kind of tells a little story up front and then he breaks down the model in the back. Mm-hmm. And so uh, um, he talks about the ideal team player is uh, there's three components to an ideal team player, humble, hungry, and smart. You want to see all three, and the humble, you know, is is that they 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 are humble. They they use the word we a lot. They talk about team a lot. They they're they're quick to give others credit. The humble and, and sincerity, not false humility, but sincere. The hungry is the one that is the constant learner. Uh, they they want to do their job with excellence. They always looking for ways to improve and even to better the team. Smart is not the idea of just being intelligent. It's the idea of being group dynamic smart, the self-awareness, the understanding how you fit into a group. Um, and so he said, though, you know, those three components working together makes the ideal team player. And then he breaks those down. And if a person only has one of those who they might be in or two of those or three of those. So the point I'm making there is I think that's for a leader, he or she has to have an understanding of how his or her team views them. Um, and that's a, that's, and I don't know that, I think that's kind of a work in progress, you know, and as your team shifts, you know, you've got to, and you got to be aware of your team and who they are as well. But that's the idea when I, when I talk about the idea of knowing who you are, you know, what, what triggers you, what triggers your insecurities? Yeah. You know, how do you know when all of a sudden you're in that place? Right. Um, and so I think those are just good, journeys to have um as a person mm-hmm. and then a, as a leader as well you know uh, i i i do i i struggle with performance-based acceptance yeah um and uh, i have to know when i am operating out of that i gotta really understand that when i'm operating out of that within myself um, because that leads to a whole lot of not very healthy behaviors um, and, and really having a sense of, okay, you know where you are, now you, you know how to get back. Yeah. You know how to get out of there. And I think that's the idea. And having, having those types of understandings of yourself so that you know when you're there. You know, for a long time, I didn't know I was there. <laughs> but I was operating out of all that and, and just re- reaching to the discovery of that and um, so that you know when you're there and you know how to get out of there. I think those types of things as you understand about yourself. So you're not letting that motivate all your actions and all your thinking, but just the opposite. You're able to work out of a more balanced, secure place. What we're talking about, this is a lifelong journey, isn't it? Absolutely. I think you know, yeah. this is from, from when you start in ministry, from when you were a kid, all the way up to where you're at right now has all been a learning experience. Uh, and that's just something we're constantly having to work on. Because when you talk about change, that is difficult. And there's really no other way around it, is it? No. Whether you go in and it's quick and, you, and, and you, you're in a sinking ship and you have to make change immediately or whether it can wait six months up to a year, when you make change, just go ahead, go in there with a realistic expectation. It will be tough. Yes. And, uh, yeah. I mentioned Sam Chan. He writes a book called Leadership Pain. And in that book, every chapter has a kind of a brief testimony or story from a leader and pain they faced in their leadership. And it's really all about the idea 
that if you're going to really be a leader, get ready for pain. Wow. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. I don't know if this is actually the way he says it, he, but basically uh, he, his, his premise is a leader is only effective to the threshold of their pain because not everybody's going to agree with you. Not everybody's just going to be touchy-feely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, if you're going to really be a successful leader, you got to prepare yourself for pain. And I think you can go throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> Look at every leader that's ever existed in, in terms of the biblical history and accomplished. They all went through some kind of pain, and it's just a part of it. And I think that's why in some respects they said leadership is not for the faint of heart. And, you know, some leaders are summoned, some leaders are made, and some leaders are born, and maybe there's a combination of all that and all leaders. But, you know, when you find yourself there, just know. And what makes the pain worth it is the is is the success. And when I say success, I don't necessarily mean big dollars or big buildings or huge, if it's a pastor, or huge crowds. Uh, obviously, those can certainly be a part of the success. But the idea of accomplishing the mission, vision God had for you mm-hmm. and the people that you are leading, that wow. he's entrusted, that, that you've accomplished that. The audience of one, it's, it's, and that I'm doing it for him. Yeah. And that if, boy, but it, the more that becomes the primary motivation of what you're doing, oh, wow, that, 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 solves a, that, that covers a multitude, right? It solves yeah. a multitude of issues. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean it's going to be pain-free. In, in my in my humble opinion, you know, if if I'm going and accomplishing what God's called of me with this group of people He's entrusted to me, and together we're working for this common vision for the Lord, whatever big, small, in between, boy, we get there. That's the greatest success. But it may take some pain to get there. Well, yeah. let's. It's interesting that you say that about pain because right now in our culture. It, it's an it, it, we're, we're avoiding pain. All right. In fact, pain is considered to be uh, not only unpleasant as it is for everyone, but 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 it's considered the, the, an indicator that something is wrong. Maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I'm in the wrong position. Maybe right. I'm going in the wrong direction. And we we we're, we're, we're focused on avoiding all pain and discomfort. And yet you're saying, well, you're going, as a leader, you're going to feel pain. You're going to feel discomfort. And it doesn't necessarily indicate that you're doing anything wrong. Maybe you're doing something right, actually, and you're feeling the pain, right? Right. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, it's an athlete preparing to be the best athlete possible. What does he or she have to do? Exercise. Mm -hmm. Exercise is painful. (laughs) That's a good pain. I mean, so yes, I mean, it's, it is, you know, uh, leaders deal with sleepless nights, you know, because they're, they're wrestling with something and they got to walk through those types of things. I'm not talking about, you know, if you have a 15 sleepless nights in a row, that's not healthy. But the idea is leaders wrestle with things um, that other folks may not be wrestling with and leaders have to recognize this is a part of this, but it's for a season. It's not, it, it's not for the lifetime of leadership. It's for a season. It's a preparatory time or it's a, it, it's a, it's in the middle of a, of a crisis type of situation. Um, my dad, he, he, he talked about this idea of he goes in seasons and cycles, you know, and you're going to have those seasons of leadership, man, that it's intense, and you got to realize that, but you're going to come out the other side, and 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 you and you and when you come out the other side, find the sabbatical, find the Sabbath, find the rest time. Get 
recuperate. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, and, and I think too, you know, boy, I tell you, when I first came to Lee, and and Dr. Sargent can testify to this. He was a chair of a, of a department for for a lot longer time than I was. But I came in. One of my responsibilities was being a chair of a department. Now I'm stepping right out of the pulpit, right? I, you know, I'm I got all the I got all the church rhythms. You know, I, I know right. how the church world operates in the rhythms. Man, I was just learning the higher ed rhythm. Oh my goodness, the spring semester is ridiculous in the higher ed, especially <laughs> after spring break. And my first year sitting in that chair position, that first spring break, it literally ran over me. Oh, wow. Because there's so many responsibilities that you have to do in that spring semester of wrapping up things. And there's just so much at that administrative level, especially at the chair level. The point being that the next year, I was better prepared, you know. I had to kind of get run over, you know, to learn, you know. And I realized, you know, I'm not in Kansas anymore, Toto. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you, there's a yeah. whole different rhythm here. There's a whole different way that this is done. And sometimes the only way you can learn is trial and error, failing, whatever. You know, failing, you know, people that fail aren't failures. Yeah. People that or failures are, are really those that quit. They give up. They don't exactly. keep pressing. Exactly. The whole idea point. of grit, the whole idea of learning, right. the whole idea of picking yourself up and moving forward. Um, boy, if, if the gospel's anything, it's that. The gospel is, you know, we're a group of failures. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. That by the grace of God has given us the ability to get up and, and move forward. Right. We often learn, I've learned this in my short journey, that through my failures is when my greatest moments of learning has taken place. And, right. and so let that shape you, mold you. Now, one of the questions I want to ask you is how do you kind of manage um, your work, your your position as a leadership, and your family? How do you have healthy boundaries? Because that is something that we see quite often here mm-hmm. in ministerial care is that struggle. So how do you manage that healthy boundary between, between your work life, your ministry as a leader, and your family? Yeah. I wish I could sit here and tell you, boy, I do that really, really well. <laughs> But I don't. However, I have a wife that really helps me be sure I do that. You know, maybe we could get me in a therapy room and talk about (laughs) codependency or something. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) For another day. For another day, right. For another day. And I'll be, yeah, I will be standing here being the answer man, if you will. You guys can, you can analyze me. but yeah, I you know I, I I don't do it well, unfortunately. Um, my wife is very huge in helping me, helping me to help keep that balance. You know, if you're if you're familiar with the um, Strength Finder test, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that, okay. Yes. Yes. My number one strength, achiever. Yes. <laughs> and yes. If, you, if you if you go read through yes. if you go read through that, it, yes. it'll tell you a lot. Right. So yeah, you know what? And seriously, she does help me to do that. But I do try. I do. To, I do try to really protect my Sundays for one thing. You know, and that's what, that was a huge transition. I was a pastor for thirty three years. Sundays were a work day. Mm-hmm. It was really a strange transition. I bet. Um, but I do try to protect my Sabbath. I do try to have. Um, you know, you use the word quiet time. You use, I do try to protect those. I'm a, I'm an early riser. And no matter how late I go to bed, I'm an early riser. And so I try to use that initial time. It's my it's my best thinking time. I'm just more aware. I do try to use that time the best I can. I don't do it every day to just really spend time with the Lord, whether that's just sitting in meditation, 
I usually have a Bible reading plan every year that I just walk through and, and incorporating that. Um, one of the things that journaling helps for me is when I'm really wrestling with something in my life, maybe I'm wrestling with a motive, am I doing this for the right reason, or I'm wrestling with why am I feeling this sense of discontentment or something, and then I just start writing. I just start writing free thoughts, you know, just not trying to censor myself and just write. Mm-hmm. And what that's done for me is it's helped me finally get through kind of maybe all the minutiae and maybe eventually get down to what it is. That's just a, a technique that, I, that has helped me. Um, I don't do that all the time. It's just when I'm in those places. But I do try, and I love family, and, and I do try to really block out family time. People ask me, what are your hobbies? My family. I love yeah. being with my family. We love getting with our kids and our grandkids. And that's another thing my wife has really kept as something very, very important to us. And it's something my parents that I grew up with modeled. Um, so, yeah, we, we really try to really take time for family. And one thing, boy, I really learned from my dad in that whole thing. You know, my dad was, you know, he pastored a huge church and was in demand for a lot of things. But my dad always showed up at my brother's ball games. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of a time. And we played from the time we were little bitty guys all the way through high school. He wasn't up there. He wasn't up there in those stands. And my dad was not a passive a fan. My dad <laughs> <laughs> was a pretty, pretty big fan. Oh, yeah, so you knew when he was up there, you know. Yeah. You knew when he was up there. Um, but uh, just, yeah, just learned. And my dad also taught me something. I haven't done it as well as him, and I hope to get better at it. But he would talk about, and I'd hear him talking in all kind of leadership conferences or whatever. He talked about taking many vacations, M-I-N-I, not M-A-N-Y, but M-I-N-I, where you take a long weekend. You know, you, and he would try to schedule those out, you know, where where um, you're, taking, you're taking that time off, you're building it in. And that was a huge part, too that we try to do schedule that time. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did a lot of that he that I learned from too. He would schedule those times in. I love it. Um so, you know, I I feel like I'm kind of all over the map there, but I you know, those are some things I try, but yeah, just being gut level on is this something I got to get better at myself. Dr. Walker, I want to say thank you so much for being with us. Today. My pleasure. I mean, it, it has been so enriching. I know that our listeners are going to enjoy listening to this and and who better? Let's be honest, who better to talk to about transitional leadership and what you've had to kind of um, really walk into there at Lee going through a pandemic? I, I, you know, Dr. Khan, I can't say enough about him as well. And it's, it's so refreshing to hear your perspective and your expertise. And what, so thank you for being with us. Is there anything you want to add, anything you want to say out there to our pastors, our leaders uh, out there, the Church of God, uh, uh, before you uh, leave today? Just keep leading. Just keep going. Um, God has you there. He's got you there for the intended purpose. Keep keep leaning into that. Yeah. Um, and you know, don't be afraid to be who you are. Don't be afraid to lead how God's equipped you to lead, called you to lead. Um, as long as you're honoring Him uh, moving forward, you know you can't do any better than that. Amen. God does not make mistakes. No, He doesn't. And if He's called you to do what you've, you're, if He's called you to serve where you're at, there's a reason. 
And so trust that calling that God has had for us. Dr. Walker, thank you once again for being with us. It's an honor. We will be back right after this message. You've been listening to Pastoring on Purpose, a podcast of the Center for Ministerial Care. We talk with pastors, church staff, and mental health professionals about what it's really like to lead and serve a congregation. From pastoral burnout to boundaries, the pressing issues of leadership to the pertinent little details that help a body progress, we're here to help you be a healthier leader, pastor, and person. Welcome back to Pastoring on Purpose. Dr. Manis here. You just got done listening to Dr. Mark Walker. And let's get into the section of our show where we talk about action steps. And I think there's a few things that we can draw from this. First and foremost, I think it's really important that we be be secure in who we are. It is really, really, really important to know the calling that God has for you in your life and be confident, not cocky, but be confident in what God has for you. You do not have to try to replicate uh, someone else. And that brings me to my second point. Don't try to be someone that you're not. If you are not funny, um, if that is not your gift, probably don't want to have that in your sermons too often. Make sure you know who you are. Be confident in that. You have strengths and abilities that God has given to you to use. And you don't have to do everything. That's not what God's called you to do. But be confident in who you are and do not try to replicate someone else. And you don't feel, don't feel like you always have to replicate the past as well. And also, number three, change is always situational. What I mean by that is sometimes from what Dr. Walker was, was sharing, Change needs to come pretty quickly whenever you are going through transition, especially if you feel like you're on a sinking ship and it requires right now. It, it, uh, the, the, the worst thing you can do when you need action is inaction. Um, but also there are times when it's not a sinking ship and there's more of a smooth process between that transition and change can come along much slower and allows you time to develop relationships, get to know your community and get to know the surrounding area around you. So change is definitely situational on on how quick or how soon you should do that. And then number four, I think this is probably the more um, revealing one to me, is that pain is to be expected in leadership and specifically to change. There's no way around it. You are going to be uncomfortable. You're going to experience pain. It's not an indictment on your calling. It's not an indictment on who you are in Christ. It is just part of the process. Know that it is difficult. And I don't know anyone who has gone through change in their life or whether it be personal or professional where it was not uncomfortable to some extent. Pain is not an indication you are failing. It could be an indication that you are very much finding success. That is part of it. So know know that going into it with realistic expectations. That finishes up our action points today. That brings us to the final segment of our show called Mailbag. And so, Jeff, if you would, please give us a question from the mailbag today for us to answer. Hi, Tim. Uh, This uh, particular question we've seen more than once, um, and it basically centers around the idea of confidentiality. All right? So... Mm -hmm. I, I believe that I need to 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 seek the services of the um, Office of Ministerial Care, and I'm willing to come to Cleveland, and I think I trust the counselors there, 
But knowing that I'm in Cleveland and knowing that uh, I'm a minister in the Church of God, how can I be confident? Can can you help me be more confident in the confidentiality and that this won't be reported to my yeah. uh, bishop or whoever else, uh, my supervisor, etc.? I'm glad you asked that question and our viewer asked that question. You can rest assured we are very professional here at Ministerial Care. Trust is paramount to our success. We have to be able, it's up to us, it is our job to enable trust and to establish trust. And we are 100% confidential in what we do. And so what does that mean exactly? Um, Higher ups do not know. Uh, that you will be coming to our, you know, using our services. They will not even know um, that you've called us. Um, I have been here now for over 10 years, and not once has anyone over me in the Lord, anyone across the street has ever asked me who we're counseling, what we're counseling about. That is 100% up to us in the counseling office and God. So the only people that know that you're coming in are myself and the, the, the people who work here uh, full-time, and they're bound by that confidentiality. I'm very proud of this. I think this would get back to me if it was out there, but I cannot think of one instance where that confidentiality was broken. And as I said, I've been here now a decade. And so we want you to feel safe and secure knowing that if you come to us and you, you need help and um, maybe you just need another set of eyes, right, uh, to help you along your journey, that whenever you do come to us, it is going to be in confidentiality. Once again, Dr. Mattis here. Thank you for joining us on Pastoring on Purpose. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com backslash C-O-G-C-M-C. We are also on Twitter at Twitter. Uh, we are at Twitter, listen to me, at C-O-G-C-M-C. Uh, you can check out my own Twitter handle at Praying Manus. We look forward to seeing you next time on Pastoring on Purpose. God bless. Thank you for listening to Pastoring on Purpose. Join us next time as we continue our purposeful progress to becoming better pastors and people.